0: Super Friends Monthly Discussion. Uh, my name is John Gay from Jag in Detroit Podcasts.
1: Hey, Jag.
2: <laughs> Welcome, Jag.
1: You want some applause, Jag? You deserve it. <laughs> All
0: right. As we continue to mess around, as we get started here, we'll do a quick around the room and have everybody do a quick introduction of themselves. Catherine, if you'd like to go next.
2: Oh, thank you, Jag. My name is Catherine O'Brien. I am a podcast producer based in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. My company is called Branch Out Programs, and I'm so glad to be here with my super friends.
3: Johnny. Hi, I am Johnny Podcast coming to you from Fort Worth, Texas. I'm also a podcast producer, and I love podcasts.
1: David. I love Johnny. Johnny but who doesn't uh, I'm David Yaz in at pod 617.com podcast producer in the Boston area and uh, delighted to be alongside my fellow superhero, super friends.
0: We kind of picked up this uh, podcast, super friends moniker amongst the five of us, a little background on the group of us. We all met at podcast movement through each other and we meet once a month to talk about all issues related to podcasts and podcast production we're gonna to feature today Matt Condell of the Sound Off Podcast Network up in Winnipeg, because Matt has just reached three hundred episodes. Woohoo! of his Woo. podcast, The Sound Off Podcast. Congratulations to Matt. And we invited our clients, our friends, anybody who wants to check this out, because it can be hard to keep going with your podcast. We run into plateaus, we run into obstacles, we run into um, just pod fade and all these different things working against us. And Matt has stuck it out to get to 300 episodes, which is no easy feat. So Matt, welcome, tell us about yourself, your company and The Sound Off Podcast
4: started back in 2016 and i guess i was a, a radio refugee as it were and mm. uh, got let go in 2014 and really spent a fair amount of time wondering well what's going to happen next and it turns out it wasn't going to be radio consulting yep. uh, that's quite the slog and as time went by i mean i had a voiceover business as it was but then um podcasting kind of struck me in the face it uh, i said well i'll go check out what this podcast thing's all about in chicago in 2016. And I said, wow, that's that's quite interesting what's going on. There's a lot of microphones, a lot of content being created. I think I think one thing I was aware of after leaving radio was that there was a lot of audio being created. I could see it in the voiceover work. I could see it with microphones and building the studios. and But I couldn't really figure out where all the action was. But it, it turned out that there was an awful lot of action happening in podcasting, especially in Chicago. And there were just a handful of radio people back then. And just went there and I said there's really something to this and I I had shown up with a few episodes done I thought it was important that I go to the podcast conference with a podcast <laughs> somewhat underway and everybody does sort of show up with varying stages I'm thinking of starting one or I have started one or I've been doing it for for a long while uh, I was about 3 or 4 episodes in and just started to you know accumulate and learn things and the sound off podcast was underway I didn't know what I wanted to do a podcast about at first but it turns out the only thing I knew was radio so that's, you know, I could only really speak to that. There was a couple of other radio podcasts out there. Larry Gifford, a longtime talk programmer. He now works at, uh, in California. He's now moved up to Vancouver and and works for a course radio up there doing doing it. But he had a, a great podcast, the Radio Stuff Podcast. And, yeah, you know, I wasn't, um, I didn't feel like I was going to tread on anything if I started it. And it was just really going to be, you know, conversations. And we'll see where it goes, you know. So right. you, let's throw some crud on it and, and get it underway and, so off we went, and the first episode was um, took me eight hours to do, and it was eleven minutes long. Oh
0: my God. Oh, hang on, Matt. Let's jump in. The, let me hop in here for a second. <laughs> eight hours. When you're, how did that break down? Was that editing? Was that prep? Was that promotion? How did that eight hours break down roughly?
4: <laughs> it it was it was editing and working with a single piece of audio and just getting it published. And about six of it was me not really knowing how to do it. I really didn't spend a lot of time editing audio when I was in radio because I was a program director. Sure. So, I mean, I cut tape back in the day. Razor like, blades. Razor blades and splicing and all that stuff. But digital audio and getting into that was a little bit scary at first, but I, I had a little bit of practice on it and, and began to, to, to go forward with it. But by the time I got to episode four, I realized I wasn't very good at it. And I hired somebody who was really good at it. And, and he's been we've been working together ever since. I find I'm
2: that re- su- okay, good. After. I was yep. going to say, I'm gonna, I'm going to I'm surprised it only took eight hours. I I know that that feeling of just you know not wanting to hit publish and not knowing exactly what's going on. So eight hours, I think, is just even a success to get that 11 minute episode out.
3: And Matt, you're not an ununi is ununique a word. You're not a non unique case in this kind of movement. Jack can attest to this. This sort of movement from radio into the podcasting world, and you've sort of established yourself as this liaison for, you know, drifting mm-hmm. X radio people into the world of podcasting. Do you <laughs> want to touch on that a little bit? Yeah, That's I,
2: a
4: drift. <laughs> I think it was actually may have been the week before podcast movement. I went to the Conclave in Minneapolis, which is a radio get together of sorts. It's quite nice where, you know, long time broadcasters meet young broadcasters and it's really a good feel good place to go. And I thought, how do I bottle this every week? There's mm. some great conversations. How many people are going to be in the room? And what would you charge for a banner at the front of that room? Because that's really what you should be charging for ah, your podcast. So, I love that. And I, I really, I neglected to mention that in my episode 300, I, that the roots of the show is found in the conclave. Mm. And uh, th- we haven't done one since 2019. I don't think there's going to be one for the next little while before they get that conference started up again, which is too bad. But I thought, this is really fun how do I bottle this every week and just have conversations about radio? And I found it was a great place to, to meet, you know, future guests on the show and bring them on and let them continue the conversation about what was going on at, at the conference. And yeah, it has been, it has been really at the crossroads. I was really looking for the crossroads between broadcast and podcast. And after six years, I'm here to say they don't even really intersect a whole lot other than a microphone.
0: Let me, let me have you expand on that a little bit, Matt. Um, You know, analogy that I've heard is they're almost like uh, two cars on the freeway going in their own lanes and they kind of do their own thing. And it gets a little problematic when one tries to cut the other one off. You know where you uh, heard
3: that, Jag? Me. That's my analogy. <laughs> That's right, Johnny. You did come up with that.
2: <laughs> credit, t- credit is due. That's funny.
0: Trademarks. I'm, t- I'm a terrible radio person because I did not cite my source. I'm a horrible journalist. <laughs> but, so Johnny once told me that. <laughs> that um, but to that point, Matt, how would you describe the fact that they're, they seem very similar, but in a lot of ways they're not?
4: I think it breaks down to one is live and the other one's on demand. I mean, you watch live television, Super Bowl Academy Awards, sporting events, and then there's the on-demand stuff like Netflix that you will scroll through for about eight minutes to find what you want and then listen to it on your own time. So shared experience comes up. I think radio is a shared experience when you listen to it live and podcasting is an experience that happens to individual people on their own time and, and leisure. I think there is kind of an it, there is
3: one little wrinkle in between. I think radio and podcasting, though, is that and it comes from the listener perspective, and it's it's this idea of routine, and it's something that routine for the podcast listeners has changed a lot over the last couple of years with the quarantine, the shutdown, and now getting back into real life. I think there's a wrinkle of if my drive time, you know, my morning commute, I'm going to listen to my favorite radio show every single morning. I've now replaced that with my favorite podcast. I'm still listening to it at the exact same time. There's, so there's still that sense of routine that I think uh, plays off each other between podcasting and radio.
4: Yes. So release your episodes on time. Yeah. Because if it's not there, then, then. And at the same time. Yeah.
1: Yeah. What uh, this is for Matt or anybody with, with that in mind and you're thinking about the length of an episode of one of your podcasts, do you want people to get it done in one commute or I know that I have some podcasts that I like so much. I'll listen to it on Monday. And if I haven't finished, uh, when I get in the car on Tuesday, I'll listen to it again. Do you guys give any thought to that? Matt, maybe you start. and then.
4: Uh, No, um, I, I think of it as a book. And if people, if you're doing your job properly, people will put it down and then pick it back up and, and keep going with the show at a, at a later time. Although normally I do keep the show to 45 minutes. And I just got back from Spain after being away for a number of weeks. And I found my, when I started again, that I did a 75 or a 90 minute episode, which is it's because I was just so excited to be back behind the microphone. And I think when you go on, especially, I mean, Jag will know this from the radio days is that on Monday you show up with so much material because you've had a great weekend. You can't wait to tell everybody about it. <laughs> you come back from vacation and you, you, you blow all the good content out on, on the first show back. So um, there was an element of that when I did my my latest episode
3: I agree I mean, with Matt uh, with the with the length of it I always when I'm working with clients who they ask this question all the time and it's a it's a similar version of what you asked David is how long should my podcast be I always give the answer of as long as it takes to get your message across each show is individually different and everyone has a different goal for putting out their podcast and as long as you get your message across for that episode whether it takes 30 minutes or three hours then the time is your own the people that you're making this content for, want to hear what you have to say. So if it takes an extra hour to take that in over the course of a couple of days, driving to and from work, they're happy to do it because they are engaged with what you're putting out.
1: And I think we all get a feel for how long a podcast should be just simply by the, the discussion that's going on. In other words, if you've got a guest that is super compelling and you want to keep going, you keep going. Which is why when I have a guest on my show... I started out saying, "Yeah, we'll use, we'll go about thirty-five, maybe forty minutes." Then I started saying, oh, "We could go anywhere from fifteen minutes to sixty-five minutes, or something." <laughs> <And> I, <laughs> what, I, what I don't want to say is, depending upon how interesting you are, but but that's the the one of the great freedoms of podcasting is there are no rules. There, there's no, you know, it's it's almost like um, a baseball game. There's no clock. If if you want to keep going. You keep going. going Go into extra
2: innings.
0: (laughs) Just don't turn into a long, boring baseball
3: game. (laughs) (laughs) Well, Catherine Jag, anything on that?
2: Well, you know, it's funny. I One of the things I always try and remind myself is me as a podcast consumer, I, I have to remember... I am not my audience, right? So I'm not my client's audience. I'm not, uh, I am only can represent myself. So I know that like how I consume podcasts is I usually try and listen to them all the way through, but I'll find that I, there's, there are certain podcasts that I will listen to multiple times. Think this is kind of answering your question is i might have it on as background at first and then if things are popping out to me i'll go through a second listen or this is also very typical for me is i might have something on youtube for the first go through and then i'll take it and maybe a deeper listen as just just the audio version, taking it for a walk or those kinds of things. But I I also know not to think of myself as representative necessarily of my audience. I think that that's a mistake a lot of people make is that they they aren't they think of themselves as their audience and their own habits. Um, but you really just have to respond to what what your clients' podcasts are actually doing and how people outside of yourself are consuming the podcast. Catherine, is that even that- in the ballpark of your question there, Johnny?
0: I think I actually I think let me jump in here for a second, Catherine, because that's a really great point, and this is something that I've saw when my is in radio, when I was in radio, and it carries over to podcasting. When you get a microphone in front of you for the first time, the idea is oh my gosh, I have this microphone, I am going to, you know, espouse whatever I want to talk about to the entire world. As a radio DJ or a podcaster gets a little bit more comfortable and a little bit more seasoned, they realize that it's not about the person hosting, it's about the person on the other side of the speaker, it's about the person who is consuming your content, and if you can turn the mirror around on your audience successfully and make your content about them and not you, the host, that will lead to much greater success, podcasting or in radio.
2: And, and just to even follow up just one step further is, you know, we, we all are big fans of Edison Research. So we follow what they produce, put out in their findings every single year. And one of the things that always stands out is the number one place that people listen to podcasts is at home. Okay, well, I typically don't listen at home. I listen in the car. I I listen while I'm walking. Uh, People listen to podcasts first thing in the morning. The 7 a.m. time frame is the number one time when people are listening. That also does not (laughs) follow what I'm doing. And there's so many of these different little traits that that don't follow what I do, but it's important for, Oh, Apple podcasts. Oh, well people, that's the number one place that most of my clients they're getting their downloads from Apple Podcasts. I am not an Apple user. So there's like, I am removed further and further from what the typical podcast listener is doing. So I can't let my own experience cloud that for what my I'm telling my clients and how I'm helping my clients Mm -hmm. there.
3: I don't, I don't mean to derail. I know we're supposed to be focusing on math, but Catherine, what you said was super interesting about everyone. The majority of people are listening at home. And I know that like people like Tom Webster and the people at Edison, They've at least the last couple of years, they've really been honing in on one facet of the at-home listening, which is they expected the smart home speaker to be a really big catalyst for podcast listening. And it's just not, it's just not working. And I wonder if that's because like, there's that, like we talked about with radio and, and, um, podcasting, radio is sort of a shared consumption method versus podcasting is really intimate and private. I wonder if it's it feels weird to listen to a podcast on a home speaker, whereas it's more intimate to have them directly in your ears. David, hmm. you got something? Johnny, I was
1: just going to say my Alexa is listening and her feelings are hurt. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Alexa is always listening. I, I know. Yeah, No, I, I mean, I agree and uh, it's I don't know, maybe I'm, I'm the outlier here, but I think good content is is good content and it's good. It's we always want to watch these trends. Right. But um, if you're if you're producing a good show, if that's our that's and I think we would all agree that of all the things we deal with in in producing shows, the quality, the editing, the you know writing good, crisp show notes and episode titles isn't the content really the most important thing isn't the advising our clients on um good guests good questions keeping the show moving i don't don't know i I, and now i should apologize for derailing but i wonder if you guys have thoughts on that are
2: you trying to say that content might be important for podcasting (laughs)
1: like when if someone comes to me with an existing podcast and they say can you make this better Mm. uh usually there are five or six ways i can make it better uh no offense, everyone out there, but 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 usually the the first thing I'll say is, you know, uh, I'd love to talk to you about, you know, the flow of the show, the segments of the show. Right. Um, and all that. And that, that leads me to a question that I've kind of had holstered here for a minute. And that is, Matt, maybe you can take this is how do you advise someone who comes to you and says, to do a podcast? You know, it, it's going to be on the, the, con, the construction industry or the um the real industry well we got to make something jag right i was thinking maybe it's he's going to interview people about buildings around town that they have created maybe it's maybe he's interviewing architects okay whatever and every episode he's going to interview a new architect and their project and how it came to be so that's kind of interesting right but he then he says to you but what do i do do i just introduce the guests and just start talking is it as simple as that um because I like to brainstorm different little segments and tidbits and you radio guys will appreciate that, how you package that and image that or whatever you call it. But Matt, maybe you you take that one first.
4: What does episode one, two, and three sound like? What is episode 10 going to be about? And where do you see yourself in three years with this thing? Mm -hmm. So really plan out the whole thing, like go deeper than just, I'm going to interview people because they're going to get to episodes. This is why so many of them die at seven. Yeah, because they get to seven, they only know really seven people, or they had seven ideas, and then they really didn't think about how to evolve it yeah. further than that. And a lot of them died at seventeen because they had more friends, and <laughs> and then some of them die. I think the ones that sort of die around the fifty mark because they did one every week and they're exhausted. Then they start saying, "Well, where's the ROI?" Mm. You know, and that that one is uh, you know sort of the other trap that people get into is that they're looking for actual physical money to be coming in, and you know, there's so much with podcasting that we just don't see. And Catherine already touched on it. We we don't see as much, uh, she doesn't have as much at home listening. I I do use my smart speaker, by the way, but I use it through the Spotify app. But I don't think I would use it as much if I had more people in the house. Mm. So I've got a lot of people coming and going for us, but so there's a lot of time during the day that I can just be alone. And that goes to, you know, podcasting being a very sort of solo headphone experience. I think the number was about 92%, are consumed by people, by themselves. And so all that sort of understanding. And, and and I think podcasters needing to be patient to grow their audience and understanding that it's, that it's three years to build an audience and it's a long game. I think that's the best filter you can do before somebody comes to you and starts asking, can I do a podcast? And I think we saw a lot of business at the beginning of the pandemic. And now that the pandemic is coming to an end, do they have that same you know, affinity to be doing episodes as they once did.
2: Can I jump in here? And I wanted to ask you, I have a question specifically for you, Matt, because you mentioned a couple of things that I think are really pertinent, is that any new endeavor can have a lot of enthusiasm and energy at the start. And we definitely saw that with a lot of pandemic podcasts, as we like to call them, that ones they came out of the gate because of the pandemic, and they have certainly pod faded out. So I'm wondering if you could talk a little bit about, so you've, have 300 episodes for your own personal podcast under your belt. Can you tell us a little bit about some of the obstacles that came up for you and really more importantly, how you overcame them to get to that 300?
4: Um, I I guess there was really, I was just going to do it every week. So I, I think the first obstacle was staying consistent. There were some times when I said, I'll just take this week off or I can't find a guest or um, there's snow blowing sideways or something some sort of excuse that would prevent me from doing it every week doing it every we doing it every we doing it every we' doing it every we doing it every we' doing it every we doing it every week. doing it every we doing it every we doing it every we that is repetitive yeah you know oh, well, I think we found the culprit oh we'll blame first, david for this first he
2: tries to say that we don't care about content and then he <laughs> david tries echo.
4: to have so much fun with his Boston broadcaster gets the boot <laughs> that's awesome we might we might let him back in by the
2: way <laughs> we'll see
4: yeah i and i think you know there were some other obstacles that came up but I, I needed they needed to be identified so i was using soundcloud and i needed mark ramsey who's a radio consultant but he's also a podcaster and does the um inside psycho podcast and inside star wars and a few others hmm. but, but he pointed out to me uh, being on soundcloud means it's going to be very hard to to see your audience grow because the numbers are all over the place and they're not really real in some cases and there's break that out bots. a little bit
3: it's because there's no distribution beyond soundcloud right you can't go from soundcloud to x or
4: how does that how why wasn't there enough reach on soundcloud oh there's plenty of reach on soundcloud it's just it's if you get five thousand you know, plays as it is, you don't know where they came from. They're not real Mm. people.
0: A lot of them could be bots. Yeah, absolutely. So anybody on this call, we would say, if your podcast is on SoundCloud, please take it to a more uh, serious or more creative for podcasting type platform and talk to any of the five of us about how to do that.
4: Get out. Get out of there immediately. Run. (laughs) Was was one of the
3: ways you overcame the consistency obstacle, Matt, of just – building it into your routine you just have to do it for a few weeks to where it just becomes like okay it's thursday this is when i record my podcast and it just becomes easier as you do it because it's now
4: just as common as making breakfast making coffee doing your podcast yeah so think of it as having some deadlines so you have to i have to submit my podcast by monday at six o'clock yeah Mm -hmm. I like to think that I was still that consistent, but sometimes it's Tuesdays at six o'clock if <laughs> the right teams are playing on Monday Night Football, something like that. <laughs> but I think I, re- I really picked it up from Aaron Monkey, who does lore, and he sort of implored podcasters uh, when he's talking about how he does his creative process to release it on time, that he does have people sitting around a campfire waiting for the episode to be mm. you know, for download. They're waiting and they're counting on you. And that consistency is so important. It was cons- it was so important in radio that every day at six o'clock somebody shows up for work. You can still do a you know a half ass job in radio and still get wind up in, in a hall of fame somewhere because you manage to show up every day at the same time. People really appreciate that, and you become part of their their media ecosystem. And so, what are you trying to do? Especially if you're doing a a weekly podcast, you're trying to create habit. And Tom Webster just wrote about the importance of habit, or he spoke to the importance of habit just recently at, at a conference, and that. You, you've got to make your podcast part of people's habits mm. in order for, because if you're not part of a habit, then you're, you could be forgotten or cut from, from the list. You're, you're actually just one iPhone purchase away from, you know, from being cut. The joke that I've made about this is
0: the recent research in 2022 shows that heavy weekly podcast listeners consume on average eight episodes per week. So I now say we've kind of come full circle in terms of social media and we throw it back to the MySpace days. How do you get into somebody's top eight? You got to break into that uh, that list of shows. And Johnny's the young guy in the group. We'll explain MySpace to him later. But, um, uh, but, but the idea is you've got eight chances to get in, into somebody's regular rotation, their media rotation. Are you going to be good enough to be one of the top eight things they listen
3: to? Uh, Let me push back a little bit on that, Jag. One, I have heard of MySpace, but two, (laughs) uh, something that I've been toying around in my mind is this concept of sort of limited series. So we look at the success of, I guess, lack of success lately with Netflix, but these streaming services are putting out limited series. It's really hard to get into the top eight. So one hack around that is if you can't commit time-wise or you just don't feel confident enough to be able to break into somebody's top eight is consider releasing limited series so a six episode eight episode run really tightly produced focused around one really niche topic Hmm. that people can consume on a one-time basis maybe your goal isn't to build this massive audience maybe it's to push people's attention elsewhere of something else you're doing online but i think that uh you can still get into podcasting without having this sort of uh, unbreakable wall in front of you. If I have to break into somebody's top eight, you, I think there's hack around that.
0: I like that. You're talking about a binge instead of uh habit.
3: Yeah. And, and it's, you know, very limited. I can listen to these six episodes, understand that Johnny made this and move on to the next thing and still continue with those top eight. Um, but Matt, I do have a question for you as well. So we've talked about your obstacles, you're in a unique situation. A lot of people are doing podcasts as sort of a side gig, whether it's funneling more business, or uh, funneling people to their businesses or they're just doing it as a hobby on the side. However, you're working with podcasters who have their own shows, and you are a podcaster who has his own show. So how is your experience doing this massive 300-episode run? How is that experience translated in the way that you consult with your other podcasting clients who are clearly they're far behind you?
4: Uh, actually, some are ahead of me. Oh, so um, well, I, a- Andrea Askowitz yeah, is actually um, the host right. of Writing Class Radio. And we, we met in Chicago along with her her um, co-host, Allison Langer. And I didn't work with them at first. But, you know, when I was in Chicago, I said, well, what's going on with and how does this work and why are they successful? And, and you know, really just taking a lot of notes and paying attention to the people who came before I think you know, and I think Catherine and I have talked about you know Rob Greenley, who's been in the space since two thousand four, and what you know what he's had to offer, and um, you know I mentioned learning from, from Aaron Monkey, but you know Writing Class Radio is is I think the biggest podcast that I do work with, and they've been doing it since two thousand fifteen, even before uh, you know I got into it, and I like the fact that it's got the word radio in it, um, but they 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 teach me things. Um, I pay attention. There's other podcasts out there that I said, I I kind of like the way this sounds. And if it sounds good, I'd like to find ways to incorporate that into the podcast that I work with. So I think you have to be a podcast fan a little bit and spend some time. But listen, all, all we've done, I know this because I've seen the emails between us. We've talked about all the work we have to do. We're trying to get stuff done before Memorial Day. Um, but I think you're we're podcast listeners at heart and there's stuff that we like and we listen to and I like to find ways to incorporate that into, into, into the work I do.
3: Well, let me, let me reframe the question a little bit then. Are there things that you've taken away from working on so many podcasts that you've incorporated into your own show?
4: Yes. I think everybody has different needs, um, but it's fun to be able to, to try out stuff and then pass it along to them or to borrow some techniques and bring them into, into, into my, uh, my line. Whether and marketing has been a part of that too. I think I think you know. Honor. Yeah, it
3: does, yeah. It doesn't necessarily just have to be with like how you structure the flow of a show. It can be the yeah. way that you promote it. It can be the way that you produce it on the back end. Whether you incorporate video, and again, marketing is a huge key to that. Mm.
4: Yeah. So we'll see some spikes in some in some shows and then say, okay, we we need to do that and bring that in.
0: Do you have any examples of the marketing tips that have worked well for you and your clients,
4: Matt? Uh, The consistency is is the one that just keeps coming back over and over, releasing at the same time. And I know the writing class radio people, I cut it right to the line every week. And they're like, we have to get this out Wednesday at midnight Eastern. (laughs) And I really play with that sometimes too much to their detriment. I know they hate me for it um, for a few hours every week. But I know it's important to them to, to get it out on time. Um, websites, I think is very important, and marketing back to your website. So we've talked about, about having a website and its importance, but the podcasters that continually send people back to their website on a domain that they own, is they, they consistently do better.
0: Uh, when, it comes a, to, when, when it comes to the social media, Matt, can you speak a little bit to the checking the box i'm posting this to my facebook my twitter my youtube my instagram versus actually putting thought and and crafting the uh the actual posts
4: so i just got back from spain and you may have mentioned that yeah (laughs) and so you know complete completely different time zones i'm waking up in the morning it's it's like midnight in you know in north america you know Eleven o'clock at night—that's not really the time I should be posting. I like to be posting when people in North America are waking up, so I'd find myself doing it later in the day. But I was also started to automate a few of them, and I think automating some posts wasn't very helpful. Mm-hmm. And I did notice a little bit of a downturn in the uh, in the last few episodes because I think there's something, you know, when you write into the computer directly. And you've got the content, and what am I gonna say about this particular content? And then you think about it and then put it out and you release it at the right time. The right time is always in the morning, by the way. And you put it out there. I think that's a lot different than writing it out the night before and doing the automated thing. The automated thing doesn't work. And it was, you know, it was actually Johnny who said at one point, I think you can't outsource your personality. I can't even outsource my personality to to you know six hours from now. <laughs>
0: Yeah. You know, I'll, I'll give you the I'll give you the radio parallel here, Matt. And I know we're going kind of heavy on radio here because you and I both used to work in the field. But it's like voice tracking. It's voice tracking, which for those who don't know, is, you know, pre-recording a show for another city or another market at mm-hmm. another time versus doing your break live in the moment in the city that you're broadcasting to. There's a different feel to it.
4: I don't even feel comfortable sitting in, in, in Madrid with, a you know, on an Instagram just saying, hey! Brand new podcast episode. As I'm like drinking vermouth and eating tapas, or, you know, walt- <laughs> waltzing through the palace. And- Did you say you went to Spain? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but if, it's it, it honestly is weird. I think there's a, I mean, for me, I think there's a real headspace to to being in there and marketing, and r- you have to write. I mean, having good solid writing is going to be able to get people's attention. I think you can do audiograms, and audiograms are good. But how are you going to sell people to click and to listen onto that audiogram as well? I you know I will say I'm I'm quite certain there's some people who know exactly what this podcast is all about never downloaded a single episode but they only keep up on the podcast by following the audiogram yeah, yeah. whether it's on Twitter hey I watched you know I never watched Roseanne but I know all the characters and I know what the show was about
3: I, I can relate to that directly I I run a YouTube channel for one of my clients and one of one of the comments we got the other day was. Hey, I don't, I've never listened to a single full episode, but thank you for putting out the short clips. That's how I follow the show is by watching these five minute increments of your episodes. So I appreciate that. So there's, and that speaks a lot to the, the way. The culture is now is we have this goldfish mentality of TikTok and Instagram Reels and Twitter. It's just mm-hmm. scroll on to the next thing, and if it doesn't capture you within that thirty seconds or five seconds, even they're on to the next thing and they forget completely about you. So that ties into what great copywriting can do, and why you have to kind of personalize each and every post specific to each social media platform because they all work differently.
1: Uh, Matt, I have a question if you'll entertain yet another. Yes. Um, do you think about, I mean, with 300 episodes, I, I take it part of the the value of, of podcasts is is that library. In other words, someone who's never heard of you might discover you tomorrow and go back and listen to your most recent episode and then listen to episode number 243 and 212 and all that. Do you ever think about that when you're producing a single episode to endeavor to make it evergreen if you will in other words you know maybe maybe take it easy on the current events because you don't know when someone's going to be listening to this
4: yeah so in that case because it's radio we don't spend a lot of time talking about their current job because that job's likely going to be gone in a few weeks (laughs) (laughs) or they'll be restructured out and then and then what then your episode's dead so yeah i totally do i i mean in my mind i think i want this thing to last about six months or eight months Mm. or be nice for it to last a year. Um, So we don't spend a lot of time talking about the current job. We maybe we'll put that at the end of the show, if at all, in some cases. Um, But really, we want people to talk about their experiences and what they're what they're known for and, and, you know, some of their accomplishments and what do they have to share really that that sort of applies to people who are still working in radio broadcast, podcast or voiceover.
3: And with that evergreen model that you have, Matt, what are your thoughts on, because people's schedules are different, a lot of the people that are probably watching this, they're not full-time podcasters, this isn't their job, this is something they're doing on the side, like I keep saying, but what are your thoughts on the process of batch recording, sitting down one week and busting out four episodes and scheduling those out for the next couple months versus, okay, every single Thursday I need to have something scheduled where I'm going to sit down and record? Okay, so if you're going to Spain, you should do that. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just glad you switched back to English before we hopped on. The the Spanish, your Spanish is getting good, but it's just not there yet for a full live stream.
4: I don't often do the batch recording stuff. I try to have about two or three ready to go. Um, I'm supposed to be launching an episode tomorrow. And right now I've got zero uh, ready to go just because I got back um, from a trip. And and so they're not. Anyway, the person on Friday canceled as it, as it was. Um, but that's just the, the way it rolls. So that's why you should have a couple ready to go. But I think three or four is sort of the magic number. Yeah. To do that, I've somebody interviewed me for a podcast, and I said, well, "When's this coming out?" Well, they said it's coming out in June. I said, "Well, we're in February." Hmm. The Entire industry is going to change by the time. I don't even think that episode ever got out.
3: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
4: Uh, honestly, so I, I, I've never really understood, you know, holding on to content that long. I think you do there's a sweet spot to getting it out and i think probably you know within 10 days is generally nice.
3: And in a situation like you just had with the, where the friday guest cancels should what do you recommend for hosts should they be scared <laughs> to sit down solo and have something prepared to go should they always have kind of an emergency hey i need to rip a solo 30 minute podcast i can't rely on being able to schedule somebody last minute what are your thoughts there if you're if you're someone who's doing a specifically an interview style podcast? So
4: this is a good time to tell you guys that this is the next episode of the sound off podcast. Yeah. Nope. <laughs> That's what I thought. How I
2: was like, I know what's solo. happening.
4: <laughs> it may also be the next episode of the Jag show. <laughs> <laughs> um, darn. Yes. I mean, listen, going solo is hard. I find it. I find it. I personally find it hard. I don't know about you, Jag. Um if you have like this sort of radio hang up where you might have to write it out or, you know, how long, what do I have to say? I mean, and I did do a blog recently on transcription. So do I want to talk about transcription by myself for seven or eight minutes? That may
2: Scintillating, be. Scintillating, yeah. Sounds fascinating. <laughs> it's actually, no, it's,
4: I read that blog. It's actually uh,
0: a very good uh, a very good topic. You know, what's interesting is we talk about consistency and consistency being key, but I'll tape a little bit from what Matt is talking about here. So my podcast, Weekly, The Jag Show, Solo, Five Minutes. I have repurposed some content the last several weeks, but I was out of town myself for a couple weeks, and I fell behind, and I fell behind with some client work. I did not get an episode out, so this is kind of a roundabout way to answer Johnny's question. Yes, you should always be putting content out, but we don't live in a perfect world, and sometimes things happen. I have not done a podcasting news episode of my JAG show in about a month, and I'm, I'm disappointed in myself because of that, but at the same time, I did not force myself to do subpar content content i think you know there's this you want to be consistent but at the same time if you're going to put out something that's going to harm your brand or the quality is going to dip or if somebody listens to that as a first impression of your show and they say eh you know this person's not that great i would rather take a knee or punt than force content that is not as good as it can be
1: yeah yeah i think consistency is important and we i i um stress it to all my clients that they you know should my podcast be uh, weekly or bi-monthly or what and what i usually say is the mo- most important thing is be consistent and have a plan and yet then personally with the boston podcast i break that rule all the time and, yeah. and, and 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 if we're honest with ourselves i think we'd say that consistency is important but but possibly not the most important thing if if you have subscribers to your show they will keep that feed alive and they'll they'll you know jag i, I it's not like people are going to like unfollow you just because you didn't put out a uh an episode you know a few weeks and the, our podcasts have different purposes you're still building the library even if yeah. you're not be consistent
2: but. And and I think that podcast consumers tastes have changed too. I think that some of the bigger podcasts that were limited series or do seasonal shows kind of paved the way for some of our clients where it's that is just the cons, the podcast listener has been conditioned to that some shows are just not weekly or they're yeah. not biweekly they're they they have their own schedule. So I think there's there's something to say there. I do have a question. Has anybody been on a really good trip recently? <laughs>
3: Well, sp- spoiler alert: Jag was actually in Spain with Matt. <laughs> um, it's interesting you say that, David, because I just had a conversation with one of my clients who I recorded with this morning, and uh, we—they were trying to do something weekly, and they work in high-pressure jobs, and it's just impossible for them to get great guests every single week and get everyone scheduled in line. And like Jag said life happens things happen and i th- ultimately i think the consistency is is critical but quality over quantity is something that i've been pushing a lot lately so we moved to a monthly release format where I told them, I was like, Hey, if we do this monthly, you have to get a plus guests every single month. You can't, you, you, you can't, uh, you can either do weekly C plus guests and then an occasional a plus guest sprinkled in there, but you can't do monthly C plus guests. They have to be really high quality guests. If you're going to go in a monthly format, because if that's all people are going to see from you once a month is kind of a crappy podcast Uh, guest or quality of show, they're going to drop off so much easier, but it's, it's easy to keep them if you're only requiring an hour out of their month. And it's going to be a fantastic hour where they're going to learn a lot and be really entertained.
0: Something I remember one of my radio mentors teaching me is uh, when I was doing nights up in Burlington, Vermont was the whole, the longer the joke the better the punchline has to be. It's all about it's all about the payoff. If you're going to bring somebody along a long way, there better be a fall on the floor laughing punchline there. So the same thing here in terms of payoff. If you are asking a commitment of a listener for a time period, length, a quantity of the episode, the more you're asking of your listener, mm-hmm. it's like a business transaction, the more you've got to give them in return, I feel.
2: Yeah, it's really true.
3: I got to
1: jag. The
2: aristocrats.
3: (laughs) Um,
1: I have have a question, Matt, and and for anyone who wants to chime in, of course. Um, Maybe apropos of this session, have you ever thought about doing the show live? And apologies if you have done it live, and I just missed that. But, um, you know, in a perfect world, some of the podcasts I do, I'd love to do them live, and I'd love to develop an an audience that... um, gives comments during the podcast so that, that now we're really talking about simulating radio right but it's a daunting thought for me that you build up an audience for your podcast and now you got to build up kind of a second audience for the live show but what, what are your thoughts on that so i started to do
4: a live show i was going to be like a follow-up so i'd bring a guest back and we would have like this same stream yard conversation that we're having now we would do it live it would be on the sound off podcast page and the um on on the YouTube and on the Facebook and whatnot. And it it was good, but it had a completely different feel. Mm -hmm. And so I thought if I'm going to do this, I thought, well, I'll just release the episode as a bonus or Mm -hmm. I'll put it out for a limited time and then send people back to the, I didn't really feel it had the same consistency as the other stories that are fairly highly produced. And then I started to play with, I'm going to record it. I'm going to I'm going to do it live and then I'm going to make an audio version of it that is completely different. Now that's a lot of time. And I think that's one of the big changes as, as we've you know gone up to 300 episodes or some of the changes along the way, whether it was with the marketing and how we did it, but we recently just added transcription. That's an investment. Big t- money and time, especially time. Oh, you're telling me, I don't even know. I only did it because James Cridlin told me to do it <laughs> and Rob Greenley. I think they, they, I think everybody speaks to the importance of, of a transcript, uh, but I've started to do it and it does take a little bit of time to go through, but I think people do expect it, and it will be some form of podcast standard. And again, I it's probably, is it to my benefit or not? I don't know, but I can't really tell you unless I do it. So, so I will do it, but it, it, it was different doing it live. And then what do I do with the audio afterwards and how do I work it into the, into the RSS, the podcast audio stream. So I've, I've kind of played with it and I have put episodes up for a little bit and then taken them down. I've left a few of them in there, but okay, we're going to, Oh, look, look who's chiming in and look who that doesn't really do much for an audio listener. I find it kind of distracts from the story. I just want people telling the story and then, you know, me weaving in and out with questions and some narration. And I think that's the thing that really makes this, the, the audio podcast different is that I will narrate. I'll narrate through yeah. part, and I uh, that part was taken from Slate, which is now you know, which eventually became Megaphone. Panoply was the company. They had some podcasts. I thought these are really good. This is how you tell stories, mm-hmm. and so I wanted to really sort of get into that audio space where I would narrate around people's. Story. And of course, it makes sense for me to narrate because I do voice work. I think the
0: we go back to what we were talking about at the beginning about radio versus podcasting, Matt, where we're talking about, you know, that live feel of radio versus the on demand feel of a podcast. And you've got to catch somebody in you know, the five, you know, full disclosure, the five of us have had conversations about when we should do this stream. Should we do it at night? Should we do it in the afternoon? When should we do it? When can we get the biggest audience? It's hard to get an audience to listen to your show on demand on their own time but it's even harder to get them to listen at a specific time that you are setting. So I think there is an advantage to doing stuff live once in a while, but I, I, I like the on-demand model much better.
4: I did have a complaint by the way, about the last session, because he emailed, this person emailed me and said, when are you going live with this thing with your podcast friends? And I said, well, I didn't respond because I was busy setting it up, but then I responded Oh, you can find it here. And now I wanted to watch it live. Hmm. Yeah, it depends on the type of content you're doing
3: too. Like this is sort of a roundtable discussion where we're not a ton of this is super planned. We're all kind of just adding on to it as we go. Versus what you're doing with your show, Mac, a live model doesn't necessarily work because it's it's a conversation with a lot of narration added on top of it, where you're sort of crafting a story. Uh, I think the live aspect works in a lot of cases where there's a lot of interaction with like how this model is doing, if if people are commenting and asking questions, we can just add them on the fly versus you sort of have your set schedule of what you're looking to do with this one guest and adding in live commentary from the audience doesn't necessarily
1: fit.
2: Well, and I, I think that too, we eventually, we would love to take questions from people who are watching this, right? Yeah. So that's, and, and, this to me, this points to the fact that like podcasting is its own thing. Uh, you know, I, I this is one of my favorite dead horses to beat is that podcasting is its own thing. So we can really just focusing on what, all the things that make podcasting great. Live streaming is a different thing. Mm-hmm. This is what we're doing right now is not a podcast. So there is a culture and a style and a feel to live streaming that is not podcasting. We're trying to right now emphasize the things that a live stream does. In our shows for our clients and for ourselves, that is where we can really put on the podcast sort of shine.
3: Well, then let's let's tie it back into podcasting. Then, Matt, one of the biggest things, the biggest differences between live streaming something versus a, you know, on-demand podcast is the editing side of it. And it's a very daunting approach for a lot of hobbyist podcasters, a lot of people that produce their own show. What are your thoughts on the editing intensity of your podcast? Are you trying to remove every single uh, um, and er, every, you know, mouth clicks, or are we just talking long pauses, bathroom breaks, a big screw up, or when we talk about someone's personal family member, where you go, actually, I don't really feel like getting, (laughs) I don't really feel like getting a mouthful from somebody
4: later. So let's edit that part out. I like like to uh, leave the bathroom breaks in. I I think they're interesting. (laughs) Naked gun moment. (laughs) All of it. Um, the ums and the ahs come out. Yeah. Right? And yeah, I mean, we want to have the nice pauses in there. We don't want to edit too tightly. We do want it to sound natural. I think one of the bigger changes I had to make was to stop speaking like a radio person into the microphone and start speaking like a podcaster into the headphones. Whatever do you mean? <laughs> exactly. Like a human being. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, and that
2: sounds great, Matt.
4: That's what we had to get rid of. And, the, and the, from the production side, too, it was highly compressed and a lot of loud banging and noise because I wanted it to sound like radio. And that was a mistake. Mm-hmm. And so, somewhere around episode 111, we stopped that after somebody pulled me aside at podcast movement and said, You can stop that now. So, <laughs> <laughs> it's, it, it, it's actually, it's, it's um, I think it's Jeff Schultz who works at Wondery, but he was the longtime imaging producer at KFOG, but he works at uh, Wondery doing a lot of those podcasts now. And he says, there's there's a difference and you need to pull it back now. So I thank him for that.
1: Hmm. But Matt, if you have someone who, let's say that, that it's like a DIY podcast and it's an interview podcast and they don't have the resources to edit out the ums and uhs, um, and they say, well, you know what? It is what it is. It's a conversation. I try to make it as good a conversation as I can. How how important is that? I mean, what you're describing sounds great. It sounds like a professionally produced podcast, especially when you add the narration. That, that to me, just makes it sound more slick a, st- a step above. But uh, I, I think some podcasters would push back on us and say, you guys don't need to do that much editing. If it's a good conversation, that's the most important thing. What do you think about that?
4: Uh, no, anything you can edit, you can make better. Anything hmm. you can record, you can you can make better. So I'll take forty three minute conversation and make it thirty eight. I save five minutes of all my listeners' time, and I think that's important to think about the time that you're saving for your listener. You, you want to make it a nice condensed experience. I don't think a, a few ums and ahs are going to hurt.
1: Um, well, also the the I pace, guess. the clip, the pace of that show will be will be more appealing to the ear, I think, rather than something with a lot of pregnant pauses and you Yeah. Know, you run the risk of sounding almost disorganized.
4: Let me
0: let me, let me jump in here for a second because I, I hear what you're saying, David, and I think we've all heard that from clients, maybe some even some folks on this call about having uh the conversation flow naturally. To Matt's point, you want to be respectful of your listeners time they for them to listen to your podcast is a lot more of a commitment than it takes to like your Facebook post or, or, uh, or, or comment on an Instagram post. So for me. And I agree with Matt. For me, it's about 10%. Out of a 60-minute podcast, I'll cut about six minutes. I have a 30-minute podcast. I'll cut about three minutes on average. And I will take the ums and the uhs out. The golden rule of editing, of course, is if you can't make it sound natural when you're making the edit... Leave it in as is. If there's going to be a, if somebody's going to notice and edit a layperson notice and edit, don't do it. So leave those. There are sometimes uh, I remember a session at Podcast Movement called the Artful Um. There are some ums and uhs you would want to leave. If you ask a really thought provoking question to your guest and your guest says. Oh, let me think about that for a second. That's important to context. You want to leave that. But the extraneous ums and uhs and likes and you knows, I think you can take those out and really, again, three minutes, five minutes of your podcaster's time, like of your listener's time, rather, like Matt said, there's value in that. It may not seem like it in the moment, but it does over time.
3: Pour one out for all the Gen Z podcast producers (laughs) who are editing out. Like, uh, like, I think I like, I not like,
4: I think that sounds like pretty good, you know, (laughs)
1: <laughs> the other thing that we I look for is our repeated words, because we don't we don't we don't we don't realize how often we 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 we, we repeat words until you see a transcription. <laughs> and then it's like, yeah, and it, like, I'll see a transcription of myself. And I said the word I seven times in a row before I said, uh, like, am I a stuttering fool? Uh, don't answer that. But mm-hmm. um, and we all use. Well, I think most of us use uh, software. I can automatically take out ums and us. And I know we all have talked about the fact that you can't use that like a sword. There's also a feature in there that that will cut uh, repeated words. I ran into it, and and at first, I was so happy to have this function. I used it uh, a little too aggressively. I was doing a music podcast with a friend. He was talking about the band Duran Duran. Oh, I was hoping you were going to say Duran (laughs) Duran. And when when it came out, he said, how come every time I say Duran, Duran it just says Duran. I st- I don't seem to remember saying that and I said, oops Funny. let me let me go back and fix it <laughs> context
0: is important like the word that you might think that that's a good idea that's a double <laughs> use of the word that mm-hmm. so it, there, there's discretion really comes in when using these sort yep. of AI and automated tools
3: and it's something that you improve upon as a host right Matt over time as, as you get just more reps behind the microphone, you say less of those crutch words and you just become a more experienced interviewer, a more experienced conversationalist where you're not using these crutch words because you just become, it's again, it's a habit forming thing. You just become better behind the microphone and you rely less on those crutch words.
4: I was better on the radio because it was live, mm-hmm. but now that it's being recorded, I can just edit it out. And there are times when I interview people, I'll go, I need a second. And then I come back with the question or it might be rephrased in a different way. But I find that happens about once every recording session. And I'll just say, "Mm, I need a second here. Yeah. And then then deliver the question. I I think the preparation for the interview is really, really important. I think you have to say, I want to start here and I want to end here. I think it needs to be, your questions need to be written out, but you need to do it in pencil. And (laughs) I think you need to cross things out as you go. So I'll tell the guest I'm just going to be writing little notes off to the side. And if they say something important again, to listen back to what they're saying and that you scribble down something that you might want to be able to work in. So I I think a lot of people don't understand that about interviews. And I'm very lucky to have interviewed just about everybody on rock radio one time or another Mick Jagger included, but no Beatles (laughs) that, that, you know, you show up prepared for an interview with your five questions that you're going to get. And, be ready to go. So I, I came, I came very well equipped to to doing interviews, and so, not that there's any New York Giants fans on this, but Bill Parcells, I think he said it was fifty percent preparation, fifty percent execution, and that's what goes into an interview.
0: Uh, a good point too. I believe it was Terry Gross who mentioned this at Podcast Movement a few years ago in Philadelphia. Matt's nodding as he knows where I'm going with this. She said, I believe it was she was interviewing Hillary Clinton when she was running for running for president, and her mind just wandered because we've all done this as interview hosts. Oh, you know okay, what do I got to put on my grocery list? What am I going to make for dinner? When do I got to start dinner tonight? And Hillary Clinton said something. I don't remember exactly what it was, maybe Matt Will, but it was very, very compelling and unexpected. And so she was kind of going on and then she stopped mid-interview and said, I'm sorry. Did you just say that blah, 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 blah. So it's very easy, even if you're very interested in your guest, or I guess in some of our cases, depending on the guest, if you're not interested in your guest, it's very easy to let your mind wander to your to-do list. What else do I have to get done today? What What am I doing tomorrow? And you can miss something that can be really the crux and selling point of your entire interview. So it's really important to always listen to that guest. It's a Matt's point about pencil, because you might catch something that's unexpected and you can go in a totally different direction.
3: Well, it's like you said, Jack, and it may not necessarily be- be like you're thinking about your grocery list you may be so focused on getting your next question out
4: there
3: that you completely miss something that they said that could have turned into 15 minutes of just fantastic content you just chuck the next two questions out the window so yes absolutely it's it's being able to Oh, what's the word? And here I am stumbling for my own words. Just it's being adapt. able to kind of just adapt and roll with the punches and be yep. able to, to pull out something really interesting that the guest has said that's going to be valuable to whoever's
1: listening. It's the it's the biggest piece of advice I give. It's the first piece of advice I give to all my podcasters. And it's something that's so important that um I have to keep reminding myself of it because I don't know about you guys, but there are still moments when I'll listen to one of my podcasts back and I'll hear something the, the guests say that is new to me. And I was like, I wasn't listening that first time around and I could have asked a follow up. I'll tell a real quick story about how, how it can be so dangerous. There was a uh, he's still around, although not on the air. The Boston sports radio legend. Jack, you'll remember Eddie Andelman, right? Yes. Well, he was very popular not necessarily the greatest interviewer. And he was interviewing the great Ted Williams, who had of course long since retired, but he's you know a lot of sports figure in Boston. And so Eddie says, Ted, tell us what you think about this year's edition of the Red Sox. And he said, well, Eddie, not as much pitching as they could use, but they do have one secret weapon. And Eddie Enderman says, Ted, that's great. Let's talk about fishing. You're oh. in- <laughs> and- we never found out what the secret weapon was. And that's just that's just one example. But it's amazing how if you listen intently, your guests will reveal stuff, sometimes even under their breath, that mm. if you if you don't go back and and ask about and ask them to elaborate, you know, you know, you know, people will say, well, but that's another story. And I'll say, well, there's a podcast. We got time. <laughs> that story. That's what we're here for. Tell stories.
0: One of the big things in podcasting is you want to avoid friction points for your listeners. You don't want to create friction with your listeners. And what you're describing, Dave, is exactly that. As any Red Sox fan listening to that or any baseball fan... What, how did you not ask Ted Williams what the Red Sox secret ingredient is? How how did you not ask that? You're creating fix, uh, friction, angst, whatever the word you want to use for your audience, and making it even even a little bit more unpleasant, which you don't want to do with your, with
1: your audience. Yes, yeah. and to, to that point, Jag, great point. There's the you know, there's nothing. There's content that's bad and this content that's confusing and confusing can be even Mm -hmm. worse than bad or boring, because if your guest mentions someone like, uh, well, you know, um, one of my great influences is uh, Bart Johansson. So and, you know, I I mean, and and then he just keeps talking and it's like, I don't know who the hell Bart Johansson is. Maybe we should clear that up for the listeners. Before we keep moving on, you know, so.
3: And it's without any effort. It makes you as the interviewer seem just so much more intelligent. If you just ask the question of, hey, you said blank. Explain that a little more.
0: As an interviewer, you want to be the, uh, the, the, you want to be the representation of your audience. audience. You want to be the stand in for your audience. So if they ask, if your guest says something that your audience is going to say, who is that? Or what are you talking about? You need to be the standard for your audience and ask that question on their behalf. Great point.
3: Yeah, I mean, I have a client that I work with and he, he does a fantastic job of this. And he just, he always prefaces it as, I'm gonna ask a really dumb question, but it's always the question that the audience is thinking of because it's, I don't know anything about your industry. You're the expert. So you mm-hmm. may think of everyone who's listening already knows the sort of background or whatever you're talking about. So I'm gonna preface this as, Break this down to me like I am just the biggest idiot in the world, and kind of walk me through this so people can get a better understanding of why you are the way that you are.
0: I host a number of uh, podcasts for financial advisors, and a lot of times they'll throw out an acronym that is just very common in that field. Hey, make sure you take your RMDs at this age. Uh, Just, just, just let me stop you here. Uh, RMDs, required minimum distributions, right? Remind our audience what that is Mm -hmm. if this the first time they listen to the show. Real simple. Just make sure
1: you avoid any
0: friction with your audience.
1: For the
2: person who does. Doesn't know that's always perfect a, yeah. yes
1: yeah, yeah. or that yeah just playing dumb always works like i'm an idiot i'm sorry i don't know what that is never heard of that person and always better to admit that and ask the dumb question rather than let it go by the way dumb questions that's a good uh, good name for a podcast that's yeah. a great name for a podcast
3: yeah
0: you can send the royalties to david if you're on this call and you start
3: that <laughs> just someone's thought of it already. Right now. now you want to give people credit jack stealing my slides <laughs>
0: <laughs> I know we're at about uh, we're at about an hour now at this point, uh, and I don't want to forget to ask Matt this: any takeaways you have now that you've hit 300 episodes with your podcast? Things that if you are uh, podcasters who are on this call, what things? A, cu- a couple big takeaways you would give them to keep in mind as they continue their show? Just big picture.
4: Always pay attention to your numbers and your stats, but don't marry yourself to them. So there's going to be ups, there's going to be downs. I think we talked a lot about consistency just with ourselves really re- releasing content, but the listener will listen on their own time according to whenever they want. I think you know we see a lot of changing habits. We saw some in March of 2020 and we're seeing some right now where people are sort of gearing up for summer, but they're also going back to work and getting back into the car. And maybe that commute isn't as long as it used to be. And maybe they've got some newer podcasts that they've you know, have attached themselves to. Uh, there's a lot of change going on even you know, even more now than there used to be, it just gets faster and faster. So I think you need to be patient with with numbers and and how much you're gonna time you're gonna spend with it. And as well, don't be afraid to change up your sound. I think that's one of the things I, I mm-hmm. probably don't change the sound up enough on the show, whether it's nice style of interview or whether it's the imaging or define imaging. The imaging at the beginning of the show. You know, we've had three different voices at the, at the start of the show. And and what we say it used to be really long, and then we made it super short, down to about 15 seconds. And you know where we take our breaks for a mid roll to have some sponsorship mentions. I think I'm always looking for new and better ways to do that. But uh, sometimes you just have to try it. So you're st- you know you constantly have to experiment with yourself and your podcast in some particular way, whether that is from the interviewing side, whether that may be from the editing side, maybe we want to edit a little bit less than, than, you know, uh, not quite as rigid as, as we once did, or maybe we want to tighten it up. I think you constantly need to be able thinking about making, you know, evolving your sound in a particular way and what that really is going to mean. Because if episode two sounds the same as episode 200, you're in trouble. Yeah. It's, you're not, you're really, you may not be growing. And don't, yeah, be, don't be scared of the summer dip. That's coming,
3: folks. That's your coming, your yeah. numbers are going to take a hit because people are traveling, and that just happens to everybody. It happens every summer, and it's going to pick back up in the fall. So don't get discouraged by that. I just take my phone off
4: the hook now. <laughs> I'm not. We're not having that conversation. <laughs> Call me in September.
2: Uh, Again, shout out, call back to me saying, I listen to lots of podcasts. This is where I catch up on my uh, podcast listening. So I am not my, I am not the typical audience member. That's the thing to keep there. Yeah.
0: Anybody have any closing thoughts as we start to wrap this up today?
2: Mm -mm. Matt, I know. Congratulations on 300. That is a huge milestone. And I think that it's not to be just taken for granted that that is a huge thing to reach. So good job. I know that you do such a great job for your, all of your clients. And I'm sure that the reaching this milestone is just going to have an even more positive impact for you, for your clients. So congratulations all around. Matt Cundell.
4: Thank you. Thank you very much. That was very sweet, Catherine. Do we want to hear
0: when when David's done playing with his buttons do we want to go around the room and give a quick uh, plug for one
4: line plug for ourselves as we wrap up here do it Matt go I'm Matt Gundl host of the Sound Off Podcast and the CEO of the Sound Off Podcast Network you can reach me at soundoffpodcast.com follow me on Twitter at Johnny Podcasts.
2: I have also been to Spain it's just been several years <laughs> you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at hello Catherine O and I'm Catherine O'Brien thanks
1: Never been to Spain. I'm happy here right in Boston. Pod617.com is where you go if you want your own podcast. And check fucking out. A right, brother. We
2: want curse-free, Johnny. I, didn't
1: know, I didn't know we can fucking swear on StreamYard. <laughs> I would have done it before. Uh,
0: yeah, And As <laughs> if I could even follow that, I'm John Gay from Jag and Detroit Podcast. You can find me at jaganddetroit.com. Thanks for being here, everyone.